We'll say welcome to Epic. My name is Brian. Um, if you're new with us today, we love having guests. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and this is my second week in a row at Taxi. Get to hang out with you guys and speak from the stage. And I just want to say thank you for all of your encouragement, just the kind words that you have. It's just really encouraging to me to know um, that God is speaking to all of us. And uh, I realize and know it's not about me, it's not about you, it's about Him, and it's the reason that we are gathered here. Uh, today, especially if you're tuning in online today, we want to say welcome to Epic and we'd invite you to check out our church online at theepicchurch.com to learn more about who we are and what we do um, in our community, okay? If this is your very first time with us, we're in part three of a sermon series we started a few weeks ago called Not Again. Everybody say Not Again. All right, now I love to participate with everybody. So how many of you believe that the local church ought to be the most happening place in town? Let me see your hands, okay? Now you're in church, so don't tell a lie, okay? All right, uh, I believe the local church ought to be the most happening place in town. I, ought to, I believe that when we show up at church, we ought to have a good time. And, and we ought to be blessed. Uh, so let's just have a little bit of fun for just a minute, okay? We're learning in this series how to turn our not again complaints into not again declarations. So we can say those words in one of two ways. We can either say them as a complaint, not again, or we can say them as a declaration, not again. Uh, so here's what I want to do today. As we begin on the count of three, as a group, I want your best not again complaint, okay? Your best not again complaint on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three, go. Not again. All right, good, good job, good job, all right? Now, let's turn that thing around a little bit and, and let's make our declaration, okay? Uh, because we don't want to end up in the same place over and over again. We don't want to live in our past mistakes. So let's turn our not again complaint into a not again declaration on the count of three. Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Good job. Give yourselves a hand, all right? That's good stuff today, okay? All right, so... So in a nutshell, that's what we're learning in this series is how to turn our not again complaints into um, not again declarations. And if you've been here for the first two weeks of this series, you know that this has been a very practical series. And I hope that you're learning how to put into practice the things that, that we have been learning from God's word about how to turn our not again complaints into not again declarations. And in case you haven't been here in a couple of weeks, or maybe this is your first time with us, let me just kind of bring you up to speed. Here are the steps that we have learned to take to do that. We have learned that in week one, uh, if we're going to turn our not again complaints into not again declarations, we have to admit that we have a problem. And I like to say we have to admit that we make mistakes. How many of you make mistakes? Let me see your hand. Got both hands up on that. Okay. Uh, we have to admit that we have a problem or that we make mistakes. But here's the action part. We have to ask for help. See, there's a lot of help out there, and sometimes uh, the, the selfish nature in us, the pride in us says, you know what, I can handle this on my own. I don't need any help. But we learned that we have to be willing to ask for help. Last week, we learned that we have to face our failures and bury our past. 
And if you were here last week, I gave you some homework. So again, you're in church, so don't lie. How many of you did your homework last week and you memorized the two verses of scripture that I asked you to memorize last week? Let me see your hand. Anybody? We had some folks in the first service. All right. So we got to catch up. Okay. Second Corinthians 517. Listen, here's the reason why you need to memorize these verses. Okay. Because when you need them the most, whatever circumstance or situation you find yourself in, when you need them the most, guess what? Chances are you're not going to have your Bible in your hand. And you might not even have your phone in your hand if you even have the Bible on your phone. If you don't, I'd encourage you to get it. It's free. You can download the YouVersion Bible app, and it's free. But here's what I know. In those moments in my life where I need to draw on Scripture and I need to put into practice the things that the God's Word teaches me, it's most of the time in those moments when I don't have a copy of His Word handy, and I need to have them in my head, and I need to have them in my heart. So that's why it's important to memorize scripture. And Paul taught us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He said that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation or a new person. The old life is gone and behold, the new life has come. He's talking about burying our past. He's talking about overcoming our, our past failures. And then he says this to the church in Philippi, Philippians 3 and verse 13. He says... One thing I do, one thing that's a priority in my life is forgetting those things which are behind and pressing on to those things which are before. So we have to admit that we make mistakes and that we have a problem. We got to ask for help and we have to face our failures and we have to bury our past if we're going to turn our not again complaints into not again declarations. Now, we also began a, a two-week corporate fast last week. So again, show of hands, how many of you have fasted at some level this week, okay? Great, good job, keep it up. We're halfway there. And if you're not familiar with fasting, uh, what we started this past week is a two-week period of time where we get to uh, engage with God at a deeper level by engaging in, in the spiritual discipline of fasting, and what fasting has to do with is our willingness to give up something that is important to us physically in order to gain something that is more important to us spiritually. It's saying no to me so that I can say yes to him. And just about every time you see somebody fasting in scripture, it always has to do with giving up some kind of food. So for you, I hope that maybe at some level you have engaged in a food fast this week, whether that's fasting from a meal a day, or maybe it's more than one meal a day. Uh, maybe it's fasting from a particular food that you just is your favorite and you crave it and you got to have it on a regular consistent basis. Maybe that's sweets, maybe that's chocolate. I don't know what it might be uh, for you. Maybe it's important for you to withdraw from something uh, that's related to technology. Maybe you're giving up a TV show or some Netflix or some social media or some Candy Crush. I don't know what it is that's your vice, but what is that thing that you can give up for just two weeks in order to spend that same amount of time going deeper in your relationship with God? Can I be honest with you today? I did really good this week until I got to yesterday. Saturday was a struggle for me in my fast. In my particular fast, I felt like God asked me to give up breakfast and lunch 
or, or at least eat one meal a day. And, uh, and during those times when I would normally eat, I've just have been spending time with the Lord and reading my Bible and praying and journaling and, and, and those kind of things. And yesterday I kind of hit a brick wall because I felt like the enemy just kind of stepped in and he wanted to kind of get me off of my routine. My wife is out of town taking advantage of the long weekend to go visit our boys, so I'm home alone by myself. My routine is all out of whack. I don't really know what's going on because she's not around. And the enemy just said, hey, Brian, why don't you just go to the pantry and get you some chips and some dip? And you know what I had to do? And and here's something that the Lord showed me yesterday, all right? Uh, The word fast is the root word to the word fasten, F-A-S-T-E-N. So you know what that means? It means that when I fast, I am fastening myself to God. And I'm latching on to God. And I'm connecting with God. And and I'm going deeper in my relationship with God. And I'm listening to God. So you know what I had to do yesterday? I had to fasten myself uh, to what was most important. And uh, it was beneficial and it was helpful to me. And let me just say this. If we're, we're halfway into the fast, we've got one more week to go. We'll wrap it up next Sunday. We're going to observe uh, communion, the Lord's Supper together. And it's going to be amazing service next week. But maybe you haven't done so well. Uh, maybe you've been tempted to just kind of fall back into that routine or to, or, 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 or to, uh, to not skip them, something that you managed to do. If that's you, that's okay. Let me just encourage you to pick back up. Uh, get back on the horse, so to speak. Get reconnected with God and commit yourself at some level to some kind of fast. And I promise you it's going to be helpful and beneficial to you. If you'd like some more information about that, make sure you stop at our Connection Center on the way out. We have a, a fasting prep guide that has a lot of great information about how you can fast spiritually. Um, if, if you don't stop by there, you forget, you can download it off our website at theepicchurch.com. And it's a great resource that will help you uh, to engage uh, in, a, in a spiritual fast. Today, we're going to learn step three about how we can turn our not again complaints into not again declarations. And today's going to be another what I hope is really, really practical kind of kind of talk for all of us. It's something that we can put into practice on a regular, consistent basis. But I need you to help me one more time for just a second, okay? Now, I heard you backstage a little bit ago singing with our worship team. So I know that you can sing, okay? Uh, if you um, are, are like me and you like music, uh, you're going to recognize this song, and I want you to help me out with it, if you will, okay? So I know you can sing, so I need you to help me out. But in 1990, a great theologian of our day by the name of Garth Brooks, all right, <laughs> came out with this song, all right? I toasted you, said, honey, we may be through. Help me out, but you'll never hear me complain. Why? Cause I got friends in low places where the whiskey drowns and the beer chases my blues. See, you know it, okay? You know it, and that's okay. That's a great party song, but it's bad theology for building your relationships in life, (laughs) okay? So what we're going to talk about today, and y'all know I can't sing, that's why I'm not on the worship team, all right? Cat's out of the bag. But what we're going to talk about today is the third step 
in turning our not again complaints into not again declarations. And here it is. I'm going to give it to you up front because we're going to build on it for the rest of our time together today. All right. It's this idea right here. We've got to learn to build our posse. We've got to build our posse. So we're going to talk about friendships and relationships today. And here's what I mean when I'm talking about building your posse. We must intentionally build relationships with people who are going to build us up and not tear us down. We must intentionally build relationships with people who will build us up and not tear us down. You see, as you look at the God of the Bible, there are some fundamental truths that you will learn about his nature and his character. And one of the fundamental truths about the nature and the character of the God of the Bible is that God uh, is, a, is a relational God. And there's two parts to that, because as you look at the life of Jesus, we get a best illustration of the nature and the character of God in a way that we could understand, because Jesus was literally God in the flesh. He was all God and all man at the same time. So there's two parts to this idea, this fundamental truth about God being a relational God. The first part is that God desires to have a relationship with us. That's good news. That's the whole reason why he sent Jesus to this earth because you and I as sinful people and as people who are broken in our relationship with God because of our sin nature, God said, I got to make a way for mankind to be restored to me. So he sent his perfect son, Jesus, to this world to live a life like you and I live on a daily basis, except he did it without sin because he showed us how to live. And then he willingly laid down his life on a cross and shed his perfect sinless blood so that you and I could be forgiven of all of our faults, our failures, uh, and our shortcomings. Isn't that good news? All right. And, And he did that because he loved us. But more importantly, he did that because he wanted to have a relationship with us. So he demonstrated that in a, in a very powerful way when Jesus came into this world. The second part of the nature and the character of God is not only does he want to have a relationship with us, but God desires for us to have meaningful relationships with other people. God desires us to have meaningful relationships with each other. See, God didn't create us to live a life on an island by ourselves. Matter of fact, after God created Adam, the book of Genesis says that God said, it is not good for man to be alone. So you know what he did? He put Adam to sleep. He did a little surgery. He took a rib and he formed what we know as woman. And I'm so glad that he did. Okay. Uh, So, so God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And God desires not only for us to have a relationship with him, but God wants us to have a relationship with each other. I want to read you a few verses out of the New Testament part of the Bible and just see if you can notice a little trend here in just a second, okay? Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, it says that Jesus, these are all verses of scripture when Jesus was in his public ministry. And it says in Mark 5 and verse 37 that Jesus stopped the crowds and, and, and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. Luke 8, verse 51 says, when he arrived, that's Jesus at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, James, and John. Luke 9 and verse 28 says, Jesus took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. 
In Mark 14, verses 32 and 33, it says they, they went to a place called Gethsemane, that's the garden, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed, and he began to be troubled. Do you notice a trend in those four or five passages of scripture? The trend in those four or five passages of scripture is that Jesus had a posse. Okay, Jesus had intentional, close relationships with three of the 12 disciples that he chose. We know them as Peter, James, and John. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I try to think about the nature and character of God, it just blows my mind. And that's the only way uh, that, that, uh, that I can describe it, because I don't want to serve a God that I can fit into my brain because uh, if I could figure God out, he wouldn't be big enough for me to want to serve. But when I think about the nature and the character of God, it's hard for me to understand that Jesus, God in the flesh, had human relationships. It's even harder for me to understand that God in the flesh, who had no imperfection, who had no impurity, he had no sin nature, that Jesus, God in the flesh, actually needed and was wired for close, intimate relationships. So what can I learn from that? Here's what my takeaway from that is. If Jesus needed close relationships, guess what? I do too. If Jesus needed close, personal relationships, if Jesus needed a posse, I do too. And what I wanna do today is give you some some what I call truth statements. And if you're a note taker, I would encourage you to write these down. I would wholeheartedly encourage you to pick up our spiritual growth challenge or download it from our website so that you can go deeper uh, in your study in God's word this week. But I want to give you some truth statements today, and I want to give you some practical steps that you can take to help you uh, to build your posse as we move forward in this particular series. So truth statement number one is this right here, okay? God truly wants the best for us relationally. Do you believe that? God truly wants the best for us relationally. So you know what God does? He gives us advice. He gives us a blueprint. He gives us a model for for how we can develop uh, relationships that are meaningful and significant when it comes to having the right kind of people in our lives. Listen how the Apostle Paul said this to the church in Galatia in Galatians chapter five and verse number seven. He's talking about their relationships that they have with each other. And he said, you are running the race so well. Now, he's not talking about an actual marathon. He's using a metaphor for life. He says, you are are doing life well, man. You are doing the things you're supposed to do. You are following God. You are in a relationship with Jesus. And then he goes on to say this. He says, you are running the race well. Who has held you back from following the truth? So he understood and realized that there are relationships that we have in our life sometime that hold us back or keep us from being everything that God wants us to be and experiencing the kind of relationships that God desires for us to have. Because remember, God's desires for us to experience the best that he has for us relationally. In over 25 years of pastoral ministry, Um, I've had a lot of one-on-one conversations with people. And sometimes there's a common theme in all of them as well. 
I'll tell you about one particular conversation I had with a young man that's very, very dear to me and my family. I won't mention his name, but in, in 2009, um, my wife and our two boys who were in high school at the time, uh, were kind of faced with a situation that we never thought we'd ever be faced with, but we kind of felt like God was saying for us to do something, to make an investment in a young man's life. And to make a long story short, uh, one of my son's teammates on his football team, um, his mother was moving away and uh, it wasn't possible for him to go to live with her in another state. And he wanted to stay at home anyway and graduate with his friends and play ball. And, and the only thing he had ever known in his life. Um, so we just presented the opportunity to his mother, said, hey, um, can he stay with us? We'll be glad to take him in our home and we'll be glad to treat him like he's one of ours and, uh, and for however long it takes so that he can play ball and finish school. And uh, we brought uh, this young man into our home and we had a great season that year. Um, it was a hard adjustment for us because now we've gone from a family of four in a little two bedroom, one bath home to now a family of five and uh, uh, kind of like a stranger on the front end, but uh, it became just like one of our boys before it was all over. But, uh, but uh, he graduated high school and over the last 10 years or so, I wish that I could tell you that that, that young man has had a great life and he's made wise choices and he's made wise decisions, but he hasn't always done that. Matter of fact, just a, a few months removed from high school at a routine traffic stop, he got stopped and, and was arrested because he had some things in his possession that were illegal and he shouldn't have had in his possession. And they arrested him. They impounded his car. They took him to jail. They booked him. And I got a call. Pastor Brian, so-and-so's in jail. So I immediately went to the jail and got my clearance that I normally would get. And I went in, they set me down in front of a cubicle uh, uh, with partitions on both sides, a glass in the middle. And they brought him in the other side of the cubicle. He was handcuffed and, and, and bound and chained basically and set him down, chained him to the desk. And we started to have a conversation. And I basically asked him, I said, buddy, what happened? And here's what he said to me. And I've heard these four or five words more times than I ever care to remember. He said, I had this friend. I had this friend. And here's what we need to know about friendships. We need to realize and understand the influence that the relationships that we have in life have on our life. Young people especially, I'm going to ask you to lean in today because this is really, really, really important stuff. But this is for everybody today. Um, it's really important that we realize the power of influence that our friends have on us. And I'm convinced in over 25 years of pastoral ministry and having conversations with people who say things like that, that many, 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 many times those those words, oh, I had this friend or I had these friends lead to those situations where we find ourselves saying, not again, not again. And we need to understand the influence that our relationships have. So here's truth statement number two. Truth statement number two, the wrong people will take you to the wrong places, not just some of the time, but all the time. The wrong people will take you to the wrong places, not just some of the time, but every time. They'll lead you to break God's principles, not just some of the time, but every time. They'll lead you to get outside of the bonds of protection that God puts in our life to protect us 
from those not again complaint situations every single time. The book of Proverbs is a great book of wisdom, and we're going to spend a lot of time there today. Listen to these few Proverbs from Proverbs chapter number 12 and verse number 26. It says, the godly give good advice to their friends, but the wicked lead them astray. Proverbs 13 and verse number 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise, but associate with fools and get in trouble. How many of you know that's true right there? Okay, that's a true statement. Regardless of the circumstance or situation, walk with the wise, you become wise. Hang out with the right people, you're going to do the right things. But he goes on there to say, but associate with fools and you can mark it down, you're going to get in trouble. And then Proverbs 18 and verse number 24 says, there are quote unquote friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. I want to give you two statements today that will help you to build your posse. Two statements that are going to help you to build your posse, to develop better, more strategic friendships that will be helpful and beneficial to you as you learn to turn your not again complaints into not again declarations. Statement number one. Here we go. Ready? If you're ready, say uh-huh. Here we go. Statement number one. Developing quality friendships is intentional, not accidental. Developing quality friendships is intentional, not accidental. You see, we don't just fall into relationships. Uh, part of my job from time to time is to do premarital counseling, especially for young people. And if, whenever I do premarital counseling, um, I'll sit uh, those young people down and at some level, I'll ask this basic question. Uh, why do you want to tie the knot? Why do you want to get married? Why do you want to commit yourself to each other for the rest of your life? And in some scenario or, or some feedback in some way, shape, or form, here's what they say. Well, we just fell in love. And you know what I have to do? I have to press on that because you know what? That makes no sense to me because you don't just fall in love. Uh, it's like, you're walking down the road and all of a sudden you just fell in a ditch, okay? Uh, you, you, you don't just fall in love, all right? You ha there has to be some intentionality on your part that has brought you to the point to where you're willing to say, I do, and commit yourself to somebody else for the rest of your life. And it's the same with our, with our relationships and with our friendships that has to be intentional, not accidental, I would encourage you to read Luke chapter 5 and Luke chapter 6 this week because what you'll find is a scenario in the Gospels where Jesus handpicked his followers, his disciples. And you know what Jesus did? You'll find that he was very intentional. Matter of fact, in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, you see Peter or you see Jesus intentionally choosing three of his posse Peter, James, and John. Later on in that same chapter, in verses 27 down through about verse number 32, you find Jesus intentionally choosing Matthew, the tax collector, and asking him to walk away from his occupation and to follow after Jesus. In Luke chapter number 6, in verse number 13, you'll see the 12 names of the apostles that Jesus chose to follow him. And you know what you're going to find? Jesus was intentional about choosing those 12 men to follow him. 
And Jesus is our model when it comes to relationships. Remember why? Because God wants what's best for us relationally. And if Jesus needed intimate, close relationships, we need intimate, close relationships that are beneficial to us, people that are going to be in our life who are going to build us up and not tear us down. And can I just tell you, church, that doesn't just happen on accident. You have to be intentional about building those kind of relationships. You see, if I could talk to your friends without ever meeting you, I can tell you what kind of person you are. How many of you looked in the mirror today before you got ready to come to church? Let me see your hand. All right. Hope you did. All right. That's really important. Okay. What does the mirror do? The mirror shows you the reality of the way things are, right? The mirror will show you if your hair's jacked up, it needs to be combed or brushed or curled or whatever. The mirror shows you uh, what, what the makeup is supposed to look like, okay? The mirror shows you if your, uh, if your shirt needs to be tucked or untucked or it needs to be ironed or pressed or thrown in the dryer, which is what I do, all right, to get the wrinkles out, all right? Uh, the mirror reflects the reality of the way things are. And you know what your friends are? Your friends are mirrors in your life. Your friends reflect your nature and your character. And I could tell you a lot about you without ever meeting you if you let me talk to your friends for about five or ten minutes. And it's really important that we understand how being intentional about our relationships is to choosing the right kind of people. Here's the next truth statement. Your character and your nature are revealed by the friends that you choose. Your character and your nature are revealed by the friends that you choose. Parents, can I ask you to lean in for just a minute because I'm one, and this has been something that has been really important to me and my wife as we've raised our boys uh, now to be, to be young men, uh, but parents, one of the greatest responsibilities that we have is to shape our children's ability to get the right friends. One of the greatest responsibilities we have is to shape our children's ability to choose the right friends. And by the way, don't don't ignore the fact that your children are going to watch and look at the kind of friends that you have too. I don't know if it's still a tagline for news for Jacks, but I, I like to watch the Jacksonville News on Channel 4. And it used to at 10 o'clock when the 10 o'clock news came on and, and, and it began to roll into the uh, roll into the uh, into the live news feed. They would come up and they would say this. It's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are and who they're with? That ought to be something that we practice on a regular, consistent basis, mom and dad. And I'm so grateful that my wife championed that as we were raising our boys. My boys aren't perfect by any stretch in the imagination, but here's something they knew. Mom and dad are going to know who my friends are and where I'm at and who I'm with and what I'm doing. And mom and dad, it's our responsibility to shape uh, our children to choose the right friends. You might be saying, well, Pastor Brian, I get all this. You're, you know, th- you're right. This makes sense. This is just good practice, uh, all that stuff. But, but where do I find those kind of friends? Where can I go to be intentional about finding those kind of friends? Well, there are a lot of places you can go, but one of the greatest places you can go to be intentional about having those kind of friends that are going to build you up and not tear you down, guess what, is the local church. You're sitting right here. Now, listen, there are no perfect churches. 
And there are no perfect people here today, including Pastor Brian and Pastor Trent and Pastor Tim. We're human just like you are. And we have faults and failures and hurts and habits and hangups. But you know what? We are like-minded in the fact that when we show up here to hang out with you, our job is to encourage you. Our job is to sharpen you. Our job is to, is to help make you better. And we're intentional about building relationships that are going to build each other up instead of tearing each other down. It's the whole reason why we have a 5G life that Tim talked about a moment ago. If you don't know what our 5G life is, you need to stop by and read the signs on your way out. It's God, grow, gather, give, and go. And part of that 5G life is gather. We're gathered here today because the local church is a gathering place. And we have community groups that gather all over the community on a regular, consistent basis. And we have new groups that are starting, like Starting Point and 40 Days of Prayer and 40 Days in the Word in just a few weeks. And what are they? They're intentionally designed to help you gather in places where you can meet other people that are going to be like-minded who will help build you up and not tear you down. Some of the things that we value at Epic is that people matter. Everybody needs a friend. So everybody's welcome at Epic. We believe that serving other people matters. And you know what? When you serve in a serving opportunity, you know what? It's a great environment for you to build relationships with other people. We believe that authentic community matters. That means authentic relationships matter. It's why we have a small group ministry that we call community groups. Why? So you can connect with people at a deeper level. And there are people who are going to be like-minded, who are going to build you up and not tear you down. We believe that authentic environments matter. You know what? We work really, really hard to create spaces just like this where anybody and everybody can show up just as they are and meet somebody who's going to have a smile on their face or give them a pat on the back or a high five or a hug around the neck. And it's intentional. And God uses it for our benefit and for his glory. Second statement, the kind of friend you are is the kind of friend you're going to attract. The kind of friend that you are is the kind of friend that you're going to attract. Here's what I know about life. Life always begins with becoming instead of finding. What does that mean? It means God is much more interested in who I am than what I do. God is much more interested in me focusing on who I am becoming so that I can be the kind of friend that I want to have than he is me just trying to find somebody to be my friend. Does that make sense? Okay, so the kind of friend that you are is the kind of friend that you're going to attract. Listen to what Proverbs 27 and verse 19 says. It says, as a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. You know what churches are notorious for? Churches are notorious for people who show up and put on a facade. They put on their Sunday best. Uh, they look on the outside like everything is, is perfect and they say all the right things. They act the right way. And on the inside, you know what? Sometimes their lives are, are a wreck and they're falling apart. You know what? We believe it's best and real and authentic when we create a space where you can show up just as you are. And I don't care what your hurts and habits and hangups are today, you're welcome at Epic Church. And there might be somebody along the way who might say something to you or about you that offends you or hurts you, and that's okay because we're imperfect people, and there's a remedy for that too, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But what we want you to know is that this is an intentional place where you can show up just as you are because we just want you to be real. 
with each other. And when you're real with each other, um, it, it just matters and it makes a difference. So I want to give you what I call the three C's of friendship. These are three things that you can begin to work on in your life that will help you uh, to build your posse. The first is what I call, um, we should be committed friends. We should be committed friends. Listen to what Proverbs 18, 24 says in the, the message paraphrase. It says, friends come and friends go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. Friends come and friends go. It's just part of life. But a true friend is going to stick by you like family. They are committed. The second thing we can do is learn to be a confidential friend. This is where it gets a little bit more deeper. This is where it gets a little bit more personal. A confidential friend. Listen to what Proverbs eleven thirteen says. A gossip. Everybody know what that is? That's somebody who's, who's talking and is neither part of the problem or part of the solution. They're just talking just to talk. A gossip goes around to tell secrets, but those who are trustworthy can what? Keep a confidence. Those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. So we need to be committed friends. We need to be confidential friends. Here's the third one. We need to be constructive friends. We need to be constructive friends. Galatians chapter six, verse one and two, the apostle Paul talking to the church in, in Galatia, he says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, it's gonna happen because we're human. We're gonna make a mistake. If another brother or sister is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, that word godly literally means mature. Somebody who gets it is gonna respond the right way. You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. How many of you know that sometimes in churches, the first thing we do is kind of eat our own? We cast stones at our, own, at, our, at our own and we tear each other down instead of building each other up. Paul says that doesn't work. If you're going to be the kind of friend, if you're going to attract the kind of friends that are going to build you up, not tear you down, you need to focus on being the kind of friend that you want to attract. Does that make sense? Okay, so he says there, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. In other words, there's going to come a day when you're going to make a mistake. And there's going to come a time when you're going to need somebody in your life who's going to come alongside you and who's going to build you up instead of tearing you down. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, you obey the law of Christ. And if you jump down to a few more verses in Galatians chapter number 6, and verses number nine and 10, he says, so let's not get tired of doing what's good. In other words, persevere. Keep on keeping on. Keep striving to be a, a committed friend. Keep striving to be a confidential friend. Keep striving to be a constructive friend. At just the right time, what will happen? We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, Whenever you have opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of the faith. I don't know about you, but if you're like me, I have a hard time with those three things from time to time. So let me ask you a question today. Of those three things, the three C's of friendship, a committed friend, a confidential friend, a constructive friend, which one of those areas do you need to work on so that you can build your posse? So you can be intentional about doing life and having relationships with people who are going to build you up and not tear you down so that you can become the kind of friend that you want to attract. Here's your homework for this week. 
a little easier than last week, but it still might be a little difficult for some. Your application for this week is at some point in time this week, maybe even today, you sit down with a trusted friend. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a neighbor. Uh, maybe it's somebody in your community group. I don't know. You sit down with a trusted friend and you ask them, hey, which one of those three C's do I need to work on in my life? Ask them what you do well. Ask them what you need to work on in your life and receive their construction and receive their feedback and begin to make the necessary adjustments. Maybe for some of us today, we just need to really process our friendships and our relationships today. Uh, maybe for some of us, uh, we need to be more intentional about who we're building relationships with and, and not being so haphazard maybe about it. So step number three in turning our not again complaints into not again declarations is very simply build your posse. So would you be the friend this week that you want to try to attract? Would you be intentional about building relationships with people who are going to build you up and not tear you down? Uh, in just a moment, I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to kind of finish on a high note. Uh, Matt and our worship team is going to lead you in one of my favorite songs. It's called Friendships. And it's got a little soul to it. It's got a little move to it. It's really not a spiritual song, but it's got great lyrics that comprise these three C's of friendships. So I would encourage you as we close out today, listen to the words that are being sung and think about the relationships that you have with people and decide this week that you're going to be the person that you're trying to attract. And you're going to be a friend who's going to build people up and not tear people down. So can I ask you to stand to your feet? I'm going to pray for you as you're standing. God, I come to you today. Thank you so much for your true word, the instruction, the wisdom that it gives us to live our life in a way that would honor and glorify you. So God, help us today to evaluate our lives as it relates to our friendships, to be intentional this week about building our posse, and may you be honored and glorified and praised in what we practice this week. In your name we pray. Amen.